I'm trying, like, it's black coffee I have is co- never, never as good well, as coffee with creamer. I don't know what your coffee is. Karen buys crap coffee, sorry, honey. <laughs> it doesn't matter, though. I, I Just like, cheap. <laughs> we get New City coffee at church, and you're right. It's better than the normal coffee. I can drink it black, but still, it's better with creamer. But what's better is going to the cafe, because somehow they brew it better. We get their coffee and brew it. We don't know, brew it as it well as they brew it. I know, but it feels sinful to go to that cafe and order a black coffee <laughs> when you can get a pumpkin spice latte Unless or a cheap. caramel macchiato. Like, that's... Three I think bucks. that might be sinful. Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit, do better. So together, we can be a little better. Well, welcome to A Little Better, and we are here this week, very exciting week, week one of a brand new series, really a very significant series in the calendar year for our church, the Mountain Mover series, where we got a couple of goals to stretch and to pave. Mm -hmm. We'll let Drew explain that. Drew is my guest here today. Um, and he, I'm still a guest. Oh, nice. Still a guest. <laughs> <laughs> someday, someday you might uh, step up, but right now we're going to keep you at a guest. You're kind of on probation, but, uh, while on probation, why don't you give us your sermon in 60? Yeah. Sermon is essentially, we're talking about, um, how we often get caught with little faith. And so mm-hmm. the series is built around that word faith, learning what faith is and how we can grow in our faith. And the first place Jesus challenges his followers concerning faith is tied to worry and how often our worry can trump our faith, overcome our faith. And so Jesus gives us a, a different way of looking at worry and overcoming worry, and it's through seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. And so um, just a, a beautiful place to start because even in the midst of the series, we're looking to launch another campus, which is going to take faith and sacrifice. And what is often tied with that? Yeah. Worry. <laughs> yeah, I th- I found the sermon fascinating just because it brought up, I think a number of us commented during, you know, pre-preach that um, this doesn't feel like a giving talk. This really feels like a Bible, how to grow as a Christian, yeah. you know, challenge kind of talk. Um, and a lot of interesting, you know, connections were made that I, you know, I, I think I find a little uh, surprising. But um, one is, I so we did talk a lot about worry and you know should we worry shouldn't we worry are we using the yeah. wrong definition of worry how is worry connected to faith um to me i know if karen and i talk about giving away our money our worry is going to go up not down 100 yeah <laughs> so there seems to be a lot that's kind of counterintuitive does the kingdom work differently but why don't we start with worry, concern? Are there definitions that are helpful here? What are you know people wrestling with? Yeah, I think it's important when we read Matthew 6 and Jesus talks about worry for us to have an understanding of what he's addressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's hard to distinguish between what is good concern mm-hmm. and what is bad worry. Because mm-hmm. I think we as Christians can be concerned about good things Mm-hmm. And not cross the line into worry. But there's a gray area there of like what makes it worry and not concern. And I think one of the good gauges I often think about is when I'm concerned about something that's good, I usually leave it in God's hand. Like I, I, I'm like, oh, man, I'm concerned about this, but I recognize that I can't do anything about this. Or I recognize that God's got this, right? That's what concern says. Mm-hmm. Worry 
consumes you. Worry overtakes you. And worry says, you know, how are we ever going to fix this? Are we ever going to get past this? Worry is defeated. Concern Mm -hmm. is opportunistic, right? I think if we look at it, I think that, and Jesus is talking to worry, something that is consuming you, um, Mm -hmm. something that keeps you up at night. And he says, that is something that often steals from our faith. It seems like we need to talk about idolatry too in there. I mean, it seems to me like I was, it was, idolatry was once described to me as that thing that if it's present, you know, you're secure and happy. And if it's taken away, you know, your world collapses and you're full of anxiety. So if it's, you know, just that object of trust, you know, is towards money. I never thought I made um, uh, money into an idol until I remember years ago when the stock market dropped significantly. (laughs) And I said, dang, I didn't know that I loved money so much that I, my heart, I was so anxious, so devastated. And, uh, I still wrestle with that. It's just, there's a tension. It seems between wisdom and faith. There's, we can read a lot of Proverbs, make it sound like it's a very good idea. (laughs) Well, and I think that your picture of idolatry is why when Jesus talks about faith, worry comes up first. Mm -hmm. Because worry, when we worry, ultimately what we're doing is we're saying we trust in something else other than God. Guess what that is? Mm -hmm. Idolatry, right? Right. It's the worship of something that we think is better, right? Mm -hmm. And so if we had to choose, you know, I I think of the love of money. I, I wouldn't say I love money, but then when you were to ask me to choose, like, good bank account or God on your side... You know, like, obviously the Christian answer has got on their side, but like realistically, practically, Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, a good bank account sounds really nice. Right. And I think that's why the responses to this challenge Mm. was going to be different for everyone. We've seen people respond in different ways. I know that, you know, years ago, someone just gave away their whole 401k, you know, to a capital campaign. And I will be fully transparent. Karen and I have made significant commitments. I've never touched my retirement funds. So am I, is that idolatry? Is that wisdom? Um, I don't know. I think those are things are hard to, hard to tease out. I think it, it, at the end of the day, it boils down to doing what God asks you to do, mm-hmm. right? Obedience. And mm-hmm. I, I think you would say, man, I, I feel like at, at this, this is really what we're asking everybody to do. We're not asking you to compare your gift to somebody else's gift. Right. We're not asking you to do anything other than whatever God leads you to. And really, that's kind of faith, right? To seek his kingdom first. And what that does is when God truly asks us to give up something that we love, it's it's not an issue. It's not a problem. It's like, yeah, your kingdom first, God. Right. And that was the crux of your message and of your challenge. Whose kingdom are you living for? And then we'd all raise our hands and, you know, we know the right answer is yeah. God. Yeah. But then we deceive ourselves so mm-hmm. easily. You know, how, how is that true? So whose kingdom are you living for? And we all know the answer is, and it's so hard to live for God's. But then that question of what does that even look like? Right. It's, you know, what is the, what, if God was to build his kingdom here and now, what would that look like in your, it would look differently in your life. It'd look differently in my life yeah. uh, and how it's, how it's countercultural. Um, so one, 
I'm asking random questions we didn't even talk about before, but I know that for a lot of people, part of this journey, they don't walk it alone. You know, they walk it with their spouses, with their families, you know, you know, with others. How do you achieve unity in this? Any, any tips from your past experience? I I can share stories from mine too. It's been a challenge. Well, I think one, just communicating, Mm -hmm. right? Ashley and I, we, it doesn't matter what decision we're making. We're constantly communicating. Um, and we're going on the journey together. And I don't mean we're constantly praying about it together, but we're both in our communication. Hey, we know this is coming up. Hey, why don't we just start praying as individuals? God, what would you have us to do? And what's amazing, what I've seen so powerfully is God, usually when he's calling you to do something, and you're married, like he's going to unify that. Right. And Mm -hmm. Ashley and I have started at different places, Mm -hmm. right? There's been times where Ashley's faith has been greater than mine and mine Mm -hmm. have been greater. My faith has been greater than hers in the sense of like dollar Mm -hmm. amount. Right. Um, and then it's amazing to see how God has taken us in different places and unified us under Mm -hmm. a number where we both felt like, yes, this is exactly what God wants us to do. There's been times where Ashley and I have come together with different numbers and then changed our number completely. Uh So it's a journey, right? And it's not a perfect calculation. It's a simple heart cry to God and a heart that is soft enough to live in obedience to what he says. Yeah, I can think right off the top of my head of stories of at least four couples where, you know, they did that praying, thinking, they each came up with a number, the numbers were different, Mm -hmm. and where the end of the story was the higher number one. Yep. I think it would be a mistake to say there's two numbers, whoever has the higher number loves God more. Yeah, exactly. Right? Or it's necessarily the right answer. Uh, I think it's... Very easy, I'll say for me, so I'll talk about, you know, my journey with with Karen. It's very easy to use churchy language and spiritualize oh, yeah. and, and bully, yeah. you know, the other. Yep. So for me, it has to be, you know, God gave me this woman and it's the best thing he ever gave me. Um, she is an incredible source of wisdom. We are team files. I mean, we yeah. are better together. Yeah. Right. So for me not to listen to her wisdom right. is to really uh, look a gift horse in the mouth as far as God yeah. is concerned. So I don't know, there was a wisdom mm. there. And um, now I will say that I, I remember that very first, you know, campaign where I did have the higher number and Karen came up to it, but it was, it was, it was, it was hard. And I do have to keep a check on my own heart. Yeah as to am I just trying to look more spiritual or, or is it, I don't know, I'm trying to come up with an answer. No, here, I, and again, I, this, we have to remind ourselves, this is not about a dollar figure. Right. This is about a soft heart. Mm-hmm. This is about, about obedience to God. Yeah. Um, and this even ties to the conversation that we've been having. I think when it comes to launching a campus, Everybody makes the assumption that this is, you know, we, we talked about it Sunday, like our mission here is more and better, mm-hmm. right? And we want to have a balance of, you know, reaching people far from God, but also growing people closer to God. And everybody just assumes that launching a campus is a more, the more side of the puzzle. Right. And to me, I think that's a huge error. Mm. I think it's both, mm-hmm. but I think the front end is all about better. Mm-hmm. And I said this in my message, and I truly believe this. I told this to my wife the other night. I got home from a vision night, and I was like, babe, churches that don't do this, I think miss. 
a huge opportunity to look at their church and say, we're going to grow spiritually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to calculate, I want, I want to calculate all the ways people in this journey are going to grow spiritually, right? It sacrifice financially. It's a huge way you grow spiritually where you put your faith in God other than your bank account. That's, mm-hmm. that's hard. That's difficult. People are going to step up and serve and use their gifts. Mm-hmm. People are going to go on the mission field to their community. People are going to invite their friends. There's, there's so many ways that we are going to fulfill our mission. There's so many ways people are actually, their hearts and their actions are going to look more like Christ mm-hmm. ever before we reach one new person. I I can speak from the perspective of being here over 50 years, and I remember the first capital campaign. This is our fifth that I remember. It was Open the door, creating spaces, gaining ground. Um, hashtag for rock. Hashtag for rock, and uh, the current you know you know mountain mover. So Karen and I have, have seen them all, but we also remember a lot of years before the first ever campaign. I remember how hard, what a culture shift it was to do the first campaign. You know, so many people just had the idea of well. We tithe, you know, mm-hmm. people are faithful, people, you know, God's, you know, you, you know, we don't want to make this all about money. This is where we're, we're, you know, there was all kinds of yeah. resistance to it. I will say on the other side of it, those challenges have been amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, yes, we have new campuses as a result, but. I just, I look at all the stories of the way it impacted people, you know, and grew them and stretched uh, their faith and, you know, not just financially, but the ways in which they, you know, served, you know, to make, you know, you know, to advance the frontier of the gospel. But I, I just think that if, if patience comes by suffering, we don't like that, but (laughs) patience comes by suffering. Maybe faith comes by jumping is what I was thinking, you know, in terms of we need those challenges and where are we, and to present it, you said not a challenge, but you said, or a crisis, you said opportunity, you know, in your message, this is an opportunity. Um, And those are huge Mm. to have those opportunities to grow. I'm reading a great book right now. It's a very challenging book. It's called Mm. The Blessed Life. Okay. Um, I'd encourage anybody who hasn't read it to read it. We'll um, put that in the notes. I'm just going to warn you up front. It's going to be challenging, especially on the on the topic of just becoming a giver and giving and living with open hands. Uh-huh. Um, I've been reading it kind of in the process of what this looks like for our family. Right. And um, I think one thing, and I, I want to be careful because we live in such a, a church culture that you know, teaches prosperity gospel, right? Like mm-hmm. the reason why we do this is because we want to get from God. Yeah. But I think there are so many individuals. I think one of the most beautiful thing through like processes like this of campaigns and, and praying through sacrificial giving is seeing my faith result in God moving mountains right. in my life and in other people's lives, right? We read Matthew 17 and our skepticism says, that doesn't seem true, right? right? I've tried to move a mountain, God, and it didn't. Did I have no faith? We get into all those things. But one thing I love about having faith, like I've seen it in my life, faith to, to be generous, faith to give. I can, I can literally count so many ways I've seen God move in my life, bless me, because of that. And again, we're not doing it because of the blessing. We're doing it because we trust in God. But God is a God who just blesses faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of my 
life verse, which is 1 Samuel 12, 24, but be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. So it's this future look of faith. Mm. Serve the Lord faithfully with all your heart. Why? Because of what you're going to get now, because of what you've already seen, Mm. you know, in terms of of his faithfulness. And if you want to build up that past history of great things God has done, you're going to have to jump out in faith in order to create, you know, those opportunities where God, you know, rewards, you know, that faith and grows that faith. Yeah. And and what do we worry about the most? (laughs) Money? Money. I mean, maybe if you have kids. Yeah, I was going to say kids next. On top of family. I think they're, they're, very closely tied together and often tethered together, right? We want, you know, money and kids, right? I want money to pay for our kids' colleges. I want money to take care of my kids, to give to my kids, right? Like they're, they're kind of, those two top two worries are, are tethered together. I think that's an important lesson because it's almost like lab work, right? Or, or getting into the gym, you know, stretching our faith, you know, exercising our faith, getting it stronger. But these, you know, if we will exercise our faith, grow our faith in the lab of money, then I think it'll make it easier to transfer that faith Mm. to other places, non-monetary places, you know, family members who are far from God, you know, just a desire to, you know, you know, people we love or reach or what we want to see God accomplish, you know, let's fuel, you know, grow our faith in those other areas as we see him meet these material needs. I think when it comes to worry, the, the thing that hit me the most in this passage was the ouchy moment for me was when I worry, I act like an unbeliever. Mm. Oh, wow. I don't know why that just... just, Yeah. I I don't want to act like an unbeliever. I don't want people to look at my life and say, he's no different than me. Right. Right? He's... Like, I just think there's something about faith and worry that, like, when things happen, when the stock market crashes, when there's a, a bad economy, Christians respond differently. Mm -hmm. We act differently. And it's not because we're good. It's not because we're confident. It's because of where our confidence is in that our faith, no matter kind of what swirls around us is Mm -hmm. so strong that I don't seep back into flesh like looking. I stand out and I'm different. That just hit me so hard because honestly in my flesh, when things go bad, I, what's my first reaction? Yeah. Worry, yeah. anxiety, like, oh, how are we going to fix this? It's not like, oh, mm-hmm. God has got this. Yeah. I, like I said before, that was the most disturbing, the, the knot I felt in my stomach, the pit, the anxiety. Mm. And I thought this over money. Yeah. I mean, it just, it shamed me. It crushed me how little faith I had, but sometimes we need that. Um, so do you, you mentioned the, you know, you know, the economy um, is tell us why it's wise and not foolish to have a campaign now. And I've got I've got some ideas as well. But <laughs> <laughs> see what do you have in mind? Yeah, well, I mean, one, I think you can always find an excuse for bad timing. Um, I also mm-hmm. think God's economy is different than the world's economy. Right. Um, you know, the Bible says he owns, you know, cattle on the hills. And, right. you know, so. When it comes to money, God's not short of it, and he can easily move money wherever he wants to. Uh Um, Another reason is, okay, let's go back in our history of our church. In 2013, I think it was, we did a campaign, 
Um, and we were doing it for the, the, I wasn't here just for the record mm. for the, maybe it was back farther. Maybe it was 2008. We were doing, it was built in 2013. Yes. 2008 was when the economy tanked. It was a huge tank economy yes. and God worked crazy. That, that was the first one. That was open the door to build the building yes. we we're in. Now. In the yes. midst of a horrible economy, God was faithful. He always is faithful. And so, and I just think what better way to describe play our faith than in not good times, yeah. right? It's easy when things are flowing to be like, isn't this what most people say? If I had a little bit more, I'd be generous. Lie. <laughs> you'll have, you'll spend more. Right. And so we wait for like the perfect moment. Now is the perfect moment. Yeah. I'd mentioned that first campaign. I mean, it got worse for us actually after making the commitment yeah. because in the middle of that three years I lost a job mm. and uh, it was, and I had kids in college but God was good we made our commitment we never worried about food on the table I mean God yeah. was good and I think it is interesting that that passage focuses I mean God's assurance is for the nitty gritty it's like those bit those the food that clothing that housing you know those basic things God cares about them too He cares about them a lot more than you mm. but He cares about your heart yeah. and, and 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 how it grows. Um, any final um, thoughts or challenges? I'm trying to think. Maybe you can give a little bit of a preview of what's ahead. This is week one. What will people expect in weeks two, three, and four? Yeah, so next week I'll actually get to introduce our Brighton campus pastor. He'll be preaching, um, and he's just going to challenge us beyond, like, the, the sacrificial giving. Like, we need people to go and to step up and to serve, and so he's going to challenge us on that side. Um, week three is really about – it. the title of the message is it's stretching time, and so it's really focused around God – I'm asking you to stretch my faith. Like, mm -hmm. get me to the place where it might not make sense. It might be scary and big, but I want you to grow and stretch my faith where I'll do whatever you ask me to. And then the last week of the series is Commitment Sunday, where we will really bring our sacrifice and our faith to God. You're going to get some things in the journey. We're going to be doing some things. Uh, this, you know, you, you're we might interact with the mountain uh, that you saw on Sunday. So there's a lot coming up. It's going to be an awesome series. I, I, I don't, I don't, you can't miss it. <laughs> well, especially come back next week for that incredible reveal of our new campus pastor. Can't wait to see you then. Mm -hmm.